Welcome to Hami Media Group, or as the cool kids say, HMG. We're here to provide you with the very best entertainment alternative media has to offer. Thank you to all our supporters who have made us what we are today. Follow us on social media, video, and podcast platforms at Hami Media Group. Become a subscriber to Hami Media Group at Patreon.com for great free daily content as well as off-the-top-rope extras. Subscribe to our affiliate Patreon channels with a plethora of fun content on various tiers that will bring tears of joy to your eyes. Vince Russo's The Brand, The Rip Rogers FR Podcast, Stevie Ray TV, Goldilocks, The A Show with Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, The Beautiful People, and now... The Larry Hankin Stories. Support your favorite HMG and independent pro wrestling talent at ProWrestlingTees.com. Enjoy the ultimate meal with Zordo's Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com. Start your day with the best cup of joe, bro. Try a fantastic selection of flavorful coffee blends at TheBrosters.com. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get off that couch and make a healthy change without leaving your home. Amazing resistance band and yoga workout programs at an affordable price that will help you become a band new you. Hear from the pros who live the biz, bro, with talent that have worked for every major organization led by the man who put the attitude back in pro wrestling and in your ear holes. It's gotta be russosbrand.com bro again we'd like to thank you for joining us here at hmg and now it's time to be entertained The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. My powers have doubled since the last time we met Count. Hey! Suffering. Death, I fear. Something terrible has happened. Young Skywalker is in dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. These aren't the droids you're looking for.
Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, Jedi, Sith, Mandalorians, Twi'leks, clones, both regs and Bad Batch alike. And yes, let's not forget all you trans-Doshans as well. Because as you know, and everyone else who listens to this podcast knows, this is an inclusive podcast to another exciting edition of the new force right there for podcast we're a star wars podcast uh this is episode 118 so if you have not realized that you cannot have any opportunity to start a rebellion because you don't have any hope doc what do you, what do you say to those people who do have hope uh fuck those guys Rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Ha <laughs> ha, Pop. Uh, what's up, everybody? Another week has passed. Another week is here. The end of uh, post comes. Uh, is it intros? Wait, I'm doing it right now. Come oh, my bad. Sorry. Anyway. Another week has passed. Another week is here. The NFO is here, and we're going to bring you an exciting show tonight. I am one-third of your hosts. I am a professional wrestler, multi-time champion in the galaxy far, far away. Current heavyweight champion in three different promotions at the same time. Star Wars aficionado. I am Freak God Papa, a.k.a. your boy, GGP. To the Greek, Greek. Alongside with me is the Sith ghost in the room, all the way from the Witness Protection Program on Exegol. None other than Darth Great himself. Introduce yourself, big guy, with a hey yo. You know the deal. Hey yo. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the Dark Lord of the Podcast, the Sith Ari, the Rampaging Revan Kiss, the Butcher, your boy Darth Spiridon. And last, but not least, he's the Kung Fu Grip medical droid who is a PhD, not only in medicine, but also in Thundernomics, because not only is he stealing your girl, the only reason why he's stealing her is so she has, he has a place, a bucket, if you will, to catch his uh, excrement all over our face, neck, and chest when he's stealing your thunder. Introduce yourself, sir. So I want to clear something up. Uh, I have an MD, not a PhD. Thank you. Big difference. I am a real doctor. Uh, I am smarter than two and be more technical than FX7, the god of stealing thunder. And the guy who's got more outputs than R2-D2, but is a little under the weather this evening. Dr. Destroy. Alex Roy. You okay, Doc? I'm good. good. It's not the COVID. Don't worry. Listen, even if it was the COVID, which I know it isn't, these fans, all six of them, should be bowing at the altar of Alex Arroyo. Because not only do you do shows on vacation, 
but you also do them when you're sick with the Korean flu that you caught at Mr. Kim's store. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, uh, see you. Yeah, see you. Uh, kudos to you, Doc. You, you all six of you fans should uh, be very lucky to uh, have Alex Orio in, his, in your life because if I was sick, I'd tell you guys to go fuck yourself. So No days off. No days off. Nice, Darren. That's because Darren. that's because that's because Papa doesn't give me eight days off. <laughs> All right, folks. A lot of news came out this week. We're gonna try to wrap it up real quick. First and foremost, major story broke out this week about Leslie Headland. She's the writer, director, and showrunner of the upcoming The Acolyte. She decided to do an interview, and she said that she uh, hired people. Who've never seen Star Wars before oh, to help really? her write the story. Um, she even went as far as to say that Star Trek inspired some points within it. How dare you! How rude! Oh, nice to see a familiar face. Ichuta. How rude! What do you think of this, Doc? Uh, this is like uh, you know this 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 prophecy that we have over here with these idiots who are you know you know taking over the. Uh, the, the reins of our property. Um, and I saw a recent thing this week that WWE hired some woman who was a comedian or writer or something who doesn't know shit like about wrestling to be one of the writers on Raw. This really makes a lot of sense. Um, and this seems like we're, you know, we're doing the same thing over here. First of all, if you haven't heard of Star Wars, if you've never seen Star Wars, you're hiding under a rock. Every once in a while, I meet these people who have not seen Star Wars, but they're usually not writers of TV shows or Hollywood movies because those people, how many of those people have not seen Star Wars? Like, like really? Are, are you dead? I, I don't get it. This is terrible, terrible news. Okay. And I don't now, hear fresh perspective bullshit nonsense. That's all nonsense. Well, look, you've heard of a guy named Tony Gilroy? Yes. Do you know what he has done? No. He was the man they Rogue One. Correct. He came and cleaned up Rogue One. He wasn't a fan of Star Wars. He didn't even watch the movies. And he did this bang up job because he had the gravitas. He had the experience to write something that was great. Um, Yes, it's been great. It's been great. It's been great. (laughs) That's not going to happen again, by the way. So don't worry. Uh, So you're going to catch lightning twice in a bottle? Nope, not going to happen again. So you think this is going to shit the bed? Shit the bed. It's already shit in the bed with this Leslie Headland. I don't even want to talk about it. It's making me All right, sick well, let's, ask the, let's ask Mr. Uh, Great himself. Mr. Great, what do you think about this whole scenario of Leslie Headland hiring writers who have not even seen Star Wars or are a fan of Star Wars? So listen, right? We need to facilitate and expedite the process of Kathleen Kennedy's brand of Star Wars exiting the fucking building we need to to hurry up and and you know what along with her she should take this fucking leslie giving headland fucking uh bitch and just get the fuck out of here okay now can somebody that doesn't really know star wars write something good for star wars it's it's possible, but but how much of it? How how consistent can it be? Look at all the people that are working on the Mandalorian. These are people who are who realize the responsibility they have. 
And you know what, man? We can say fuck the fans all we want, but when you approach something like Star Wars and you understand its fandom and everything that it means, you know, and 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 you're passionate, you know, and you know you understand the responsibility you have, not only to the fans, to the lore, to the history, you know. Star Wars is something that many people didn't think would become what it is and and many people didn't think it, it would be where it's at right now given the fucking current state of it you know with all the fandom divided and and all that shit still star wars is a big deal okay and always will be um so when you have people who understand that who, who understand the responsibility they have they come into it with with a certain type of passion and, and purpose. This is the fucking problem with the WWE, I think, that they get a lot of non-wrestling people to write wrestling, okay? And that's what's happening right now here with this chick. That's what's happening with fucking Star Wars right now outside of The Mandalorian, outside of Clone Wars, outside of The Bad Batch, Okay is that you get people that have no business doing anything related to fucking Star Wars, okay? And it's going to show. I think that it's going to show. Um, are we going to get good quality TV? Probably will. Probably will. Are we going to get good quality Star Wars TV? Probably not. I hope I'm proven wrong. Let's see what happens, you know? Let's see what happens. I just think it's a bad idea, you know? I just... I don't know. Do, do we know if uh, Filoni or Favre, uh, I'm sorry, Favreau are going to be overseeing this shit? Because hopefully they, they could be there to pick at things, you know, be like, OK, this is good. This isn't so good. This works. This doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm excited to see. I'm excited for this. But at the same time, you know, when you hear that that this chick is hiring people that don't know Star Wars. You know, I got to tell you guys, it, it fills me with with doubt, but I'm going to try to remain optimistic. You know, I'm going to be that one optimistic Sith, you know, and hope for the best. But if this shit ends up being a bunch of bullshit, a bunch of fucking, you know, what whatever I say, what is it? What's that shit I say? Chicken soup salad shit, whatever the fuck on right fucking toast with fucking you know jizz i don't know yeah interesting very interesting from uh darth great over there to say the least no surprise well ladies and gentlemen we do a segment here on the show usually we start off the show with it but we decided to uh incorporate it after this big bombshell uh, of a story that just we just went over about it leslie headland and the uh Name of the segment is Marky Mark and his funky tweets. It's all about good sensation and sweet expectations. Yeah. Can you feel it, baby? And good vibration. Mark Hamill. A.K.A. Luke Skywalker, A.K.A. the face that runs the place, the motherfucking heart, soul of Star Wars, is also a wordsmith on Twitter. He's winning the love of the nation in less than 140 characters. 
Go follow him at Hamill himself and let him know that the NFO sent you at NFO underscore podcast. So what do we do on this pod, on this segment? We go over a couple of his tweets that he does every week on, on, on Facebook because it's a little bit of ha-ha, brings a little joy into the world. So here we go. Uh, first and foremost, Mark Hamill was in Star Wars as Luke Skywalker. Right? The good thing about the people in Star Wars, they become friends with the other actors. And a friend of Mark Hamill's is a gentleman by the name of Billy D. Williams. Do you know who Billy D. Williams is? I believe he's the guy who sells Coke 45. That's right. And did you know he was a river? He's a river? He likes some rib, not uh, studded? He what? He likes some rib, not studded? No. Not... <laughs> well played, Doc. Uh, he, what that means, folks, in wrestling, when you pull a prank on somebody, it's called a rib. And someone who pulls pranks is a ribber. So, what, how, what do I mean? Mark Hamill shared a picture on Twitter uh, on how Billy D. Williams pranked him while they were meeting Princess Margaret. The photo was taken moments after Billy D. informed uh, Mark Hamill that direct eye contact with royalty was punishable by prisoned and or beheading. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't taking any chances, Mark Hamill says. And then he shares this the photo on Twitter, complete with the hashtag, hashtag no headless hamster, please. And the picture shows Mark Hamill looking at the ground while shaking hands with Queen Elizabeth's sister, uh, Princess Margaret. What makes the picture even more funny is how Billy D. Williams and Frank Oz, the man behind Yoda, who are seen standing beside Hamill, have a face or a look of amusement on their face as the situation's going down. I thought this was hilarious. What do you think? No, it was great. I saw it and I said that immediately to the group. I think you probably already beat me to it, but I, I thought it was fantastic for, you know, for Billy D to come up with that on the spot for the most part and drop that on Mark Hamill and make him actually do it was even better. So kudos to Billy D. Great rib. Fantastic. And by kind the way, of Prince, my... Prince Margaret is the hotter one. Gotcha. Um, Not anymore because she's a corpse, but that's okay. Well, she's still the hotter one. Uh, the <laughs> uh, this reminded me of the scene from uh, what was it, Wakanda, or the Avengers? Oh yeah, with uh, what's his name, Don Cheeto? Yep, and uh, War Machine. And yeah. right? we don't yeah. do that here. We don't do that here. <laughs> All right, Mark Hamill also hit Twitter this week, and he celebrates Star Wars. Uh, by praising his Star Wars sister Carrie Fisher's Walk of Fame star announcement. And for those of you who don't know, certain actors and actresses every year get uh, the opportunity to get their name on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And this year, Carrie Fisher was among the selected few. Uh, it's five years after her death. Can, so, Can you explain to me how Carrie Fisher, this this is the first time she's getting a, a Hollywood star Walk of Fame. I, I, Donald Trump has one. How does she not have one? Like now, until now. Well, listen, two things. One, Hamill got his last year, which... Another was, atrocity. Exactly. But 
you also got to pay for the, 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 the stuff. And you have to be nominated. Someone has to sponsor you to do it. And last, you, they say that the tradition is you can't have a Hollywood Walk of Fame if you're deceased until five years after you're dead. That's the, the, the running tradition. So she died in 2016. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, but do, she should have one 15 years ago. I agree with you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that it is what it is. But anyway, Hamill tweets, I congratulate and salute all 38 new hashtag Hollywood Walk of Fame honorees. Welcome to the neighborhood. Much love and a special one finger salute to the incomparable, hilarious and irreverent force of nature. That was my spacious Carrie Fisher with a big red heart. Her star will blaze from here to eternity. Uh, and then Mark Hamill put some pictures, including one showing Fisher giving everybody the middle finger in one picture, which is classic Carrie Fisher. Classic. Uh, somebody else got a Hollywood star uh, in the Star Wars universe this week. Oh, you're going to just jump right there? Okay, oh, go ahead. Why not? We're, we're talking about stars. Why don't we uh, just continue the theme? So uh, now this makes no sense to me because if she gets one the same year that Carrie Fisher does and a year after Mark Hamill does, Though she's a hottie, Ming-Na Wen gets her star this year, too. That's right. Um, she uh, She's made her impact. I mean, she, uh, Star Wars, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, uh, Mulan, right? She's in Mulan. Yeah, but still, uh, makes no sense to me. But whatever. It's like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Same bullshit. Why? That's all nonsense in the work, too? Yeah, it's all the work. Interesting. I never knew that. See, I don't pay attention to Hall of Fames and stuff like that. It doesn't really uh, whip my whistle, if you will. Ooh, that's a frightening concept. Continue. No problem. I will. Um, let's see. So... Anyway, uh, another headline came out about Mr. Marky Mark. How he makes himself available to terminally ill children. And it's a responsibility that holds near and dear to his heart. Did you read this article? Yes, I, I thought it was very sweet. Um, you know, some uh, father whose son had passed away a few years ago from brain cancer um, had requested that Mark Hamill, you know, make him a message. And Mark went out of his way and got a bunch of other Star Wars uh, actors and players to do a video for this kid and he retweeted a photo of the child watching the uh you know the video with you know this very big smile on his face and this look in his eye and then you know he sadly said that that you know the, the kid actually passed away the very next day from his disease which is terrible um but uh i think it's important for stars to do the things like this you know i think the biggest you know one of the biggest guys who does the the make-a-wish stuff is uh you may know him as John Cena. You know, Never seen the guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. You can't really see him. Um, so he, uh, you know, he knows he's popular. He knows he's uh, a, a, a child favorite, and he will make himself available to uh, these kids. And I think it's great. You know, I think more things like this should happen in the world. You know, guys like Fluke Skywalker, who are, you know, may not be the real deal, but are shit are good enough for, uh, you know, for, for a kid who's sick in the hospital. 
No, absolutely. And the, and the awesome thing is this. It's organic and it's real with Mark Hamill. He doesn't post about it. He doesn't bring any spotlight onto the situation. Usually it comes to the limelight where the parents of the sick child thank him and bring it to the public's attention. While other individuals were only playing the role when the red light's on just to get their, you know, shit in. Get their shit in. Thank you. Get their five minutes of fame and get themselves over. And speaking of over. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we do a segment here on the NFO where we compare two aspects of Star Wars. Be a person, place, thing. Doesn't matter. And what we do, we see what's more over with you, the fans. But mostly what's more over with us. And what over means in wrestling lingo means popular. So when you're a good guy wrestler and you're over with the fans, people will pay a lot of money to come see you wrestle. When you're a bad guy wrestler and you're over with the fans, people pay a lot of money to come see you lose. So tonight's marquee has... Who on it, Doc? We've got a Padawan battle tonight. So I you know sitting back a little bit in the cut and being like, hmm, what should we put together? Like, how about Obi-Wan Kenobi as a Padawan from episode one? I'm I'm sorry for my behavior, Master. It's not my place to disagree with you about the boy. And I am grateful you think I'm ready to take the trials. You've been a good apprentice, Obi-Wan. And you're a much wiser man than I am. I foresee he will become a great Jedi Knight. Versus Anakin Skywalker, his very own Padawan, from episode two. Sometimes there are things no one can fix. You're not all powerful. Well, I should be. Someday I will be. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. I promise you. I will even learn to stop people from dying. Anakin. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. Which one of these Padawan learners is more over? So uh, what are the polls saying, my friend? Oh, the polls. I almost totally forgot about the polls. Look at this. That's right. How can you forget about the polls? I know. So I, I, I raised mark. so much money. I raised so much money off the polls. <laughs> you raised more okay. money on your on the polls than Jerry Lewis did with his tele- telethon. Exactly. Today. This wasn't about Jerry's kids. This was about Doc's. Uh, Doc's anyway. kids. Exactly. Okay, here we go. So, to the polls. Oh, interesting. I'm going to read the comments first. Todd Santiago Berrios. Obi-Wan, because he never went to the dark side, but new dark side abilities like Yoda and Windu. <clears throat> we have a 50-50 split this week on... Uh, the Padawans uh, on the Facebook poll. And let's move over to uh, Z Instagram on the Grams. Oh, just by the narrowest of margins. Padawan Anakin beats Padawan Obi-Wan 57 to 43%. Wow. wow. That's, That's impressive. That's a close one, man. 7% vote. Impressive. Most most impressive. impressive. Nice. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you guys can uh, send your votes into this segment or anything else that we do on this shit show of a podcast that we call The New Force Order. You could email your 
comments to uh, mayor of non-leg slap city? No, no, AKA no, no, real no. town. No, no, no. It's governor of real town. Oh, my not God, a my citizen God. of leg slap city. Oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. But anyway, what you could do is go on your computer and send an email. That's an electronic mail to newforceorder at yahoo.com. So we're going to read one email this week real quick. It's uh, none other from Mr. Bumba Bum himself, Brandon Miller. Hey, NFO, how dare you, sir? Brandon, you cheeky fucking bastard, you. You put capital N, oh, small f, capital O. The complete opposite. Up. He did it exactly to get a rise out of me, yeah. and it worked, you prick. I will get your fucking shine box, you fucking prick, you. Anyway, uh, this week, I got to take Padawan Obi-Wan. The energy that young Hugh McGregor brought into that role was electric and practically exploded during this epic duel with Darth Maul, where it was two young guns being unleashed on each other. Sounds like the start of a gay porn, the way he wrote this. Mm. Uh, Definitely nothing like we'd previously experienced in a lightsaber duel. And by we, I mean you guys, because I wasn't born yet. Fun fact. About the fight scene. Allegedly, George Lucas saw Ewan warming up seconds before his fight scene and thought it looked cool, so he left it in the movie. But you guys probably knew that already, though. What is called when you met what? What's it called when you mansplain to a Star Wars fan? LOL. Um, uh, what's it called when you mansplain to a Star Wars fan? Did he give us the joke already? I don't know. Uh, sorry, the uh, cheeky little fuck. You call you mansplain to sir. There's no answer. I'm trying to think though. Uh, I don't know. Okay, all right, that's it. So Doc, who's more over for you? Who's more over for me? Um, well, for me, it's gonna be Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, for him to watch his master get gutted like a trout, and still have the wherewithal to not let his anger, and his emotion, and his hate fuel him in that moment where he would have lost sight of himself to fight someone who probably clearly was a better swordsman than he was um, and a better athlete all around and a better fighter, but yet still used the skills that he had and leaned on the basics, um, was able to still pull out a W over Darth Maul versus Anakin, who was always thought he was better than he was probably didn't think better than he was better than he was at that moment i think because his potential was limitless um as a jedi but he always thought he was better than he was at that moment uh and he let his hubris get the best of him and we saw what had happened uh all through that movie you know in the in the zam wessels chase scene in the count dooku scene where he gets his arm chopped off um it was bad news for him doing that all the time so i think if i had to pick a padawan to watch my back and to train, it would be Obi-Wan Kenobi. So let me ask you this. This is only from episode two, not Clone Wars, not episode three? Nope. Nope. Because he, theoretically, he was he had his own Padawan at that point, right? So he was Master Skywalker, despite the fact that they didn't grant him the rank of Master. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Anakin Skywalker. And That's only because I went with Obi-Wan. No, 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 no. The reason why I went with that <laughs> is because uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, your points are very valid. 
and, and I agree with them 100% as far as Obi-Wan goes. But the only reason why I'm going to go with Anakin is because this whole story is about the Skywalker legacy and the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker as, and then the prophecy of him being the chosen one. And we saw the trials and the tribulations of a confused, scared, little, late-blooming, pubescent boy. Would you please state your full name? And Jeffrey Edward Epstein, and my residence address is 6100 Red Hook Boulevard in Virgin Islands. Or a pubescent man in episode two, and it captured the ambiance of somebody who is teetering on a fall from grace right before he steps on the edge of the ledge. And um, I think they did that and they caught it perfectly as opposed to Obi-Wan Kenobi being the vanilla generic uh, Padawan. But he did bring his A game and take out Darth Maul to get a W. Like you said, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi came into his own as a, especially you and McGregor. I think he came into his own in the role in episode two and three as playing the wise master as opposed to the wise or seasoned Padawan in episode one. So that's why I'm going to pick Anakin Skywalker. Because when I think of Anakin, I think of the rash, crude, uh, smash mouth style Padawan 10 out of 10 times. But when I think about Obi-Wan Kenobi, especially you and McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think about the wise old master who, I let you down, Anakin. I'm sorry. You are my brother. I loved you. As opposed to Padawan Kenobi. You see what I'm saying? I get it. I understand. All right. Well, Sith Lord himself, Darth Great, all the way from the land of great and great. I know it's been great, but let us know what your great pick is about uh, who's more over. So who's more over? Let's see. We got Anakin Skywalker and we got Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, damn, you know, man, this is actually a lot tougher for me because, you know, you know me, man. I'm nine times out of ten, nine point nine times out of ten. Who the fuck are we kidding? Ten times out of ten. I'll probably side with the fucking dark side. And, you know, Anakin technically was light side until, you know, he went and crossed over and became Darth Vader. But, you know, there was some dark darkness in him, you know, as we saw him slaughter the fucking sand people. And, and, and when I say sand people, I'm talking about the Tusken Raiders before you fucking SJWs start fucking having a sissy fit. Um, but Obi-Wan, man, you know, man, Obi-Wan is that you know, uh, knowledgeable guru type of guy that like calmness, you know, but still a, a motherfucker that can kick your ass. There's a lot. I mean, you know, the majority of people could probably relate more with, with Anakin, um, identify more with Anakin, but fuck, man. You know... If we're going to talk about who who's more over at the moment, I got to say it's Obi-Wan. For many years, there's been, I've heard more, um, I've, I've heard more calls for an Obi-Wan series than an Anakin series, um, you know, an Obi-Wan movie. You know, everybody wants to see and hear more about Obi-Wan, some more backstory. Uh, what has he, what, what did he do between, um, you know, the Clone Wars? 
and you know rebels and all that shit leading up to his death you know so there's a lot there a lot of interest so i gotta say man obi-wan kenobi is more over wow that was great what do you think doc <laughs> i thought it was great <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen that's new that's uh that is our new force order segment who's more over the guy kind of shocked doc that we went into that one real quick real Anyhow. fast Send an email, God damn Right to the heat, baby. Right to the heat. That's it. Uh, send an email, newforceorder at yahoo.com. Doc, something came out this week. It was a little interesting video. Obviously, this is being an audio pod- podcast. We're not going to show the video, but um, it was test footage and how they brought droids to life. Uh, and it surfaced online. What did you think about this? Uh, it was interesting, but I think if we showed it right now, we would hear a lot of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. I mean, it uh, wasn't cool. very. I mean, I, it was I cool, it, but it wasn't. I, I, no, sorry, go. No, no, I was going to say it wasn't very appealing as far as you know, uh, like you said, it was just like okay, whatever. But yes. it was definitely something that I thought I, you know, I never even knew existed. Yep. Search it out. Droid test footage. Did you like it? It was okay. It wasn't over for me. Ah, uh, all right. And speaking of over. Um, you up to date on the comic stock? Uh, no, a, sadly, I am not, my friend. As you could see from behind me, if we were doing a visual podcast, my room is an absolute disaster right now. And my in laws just got here from California, and boy, my arm's tired. Why oh, you went out to your mother in law? Oh, god, please. <laughs> okay, your father in law, she's an all right looking chick, though. Yeah, give her that. Nice for 70 something. So, uh Star Wars number 14, that's uh, issue 14. Uh, the Last Jedi's bravest hero helped save Han Solo. <sighs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this one a, a, a quick pass on this one, okay? Uh, spoiler alert, Holly, cover your ears. Uh, Admiral Haldo helps Leia figure out where Han is and where she's. But this is prior to her being Admiral Haldo, so we have to go back and deal with this fucking chick again. Yeah, she she appears via hologram to Leia, tells her if she knows where Han is. She reveals that she's been working in the field with dangerous syndicates to uh, scrounge up some resources for the Rebel Alliance. Nobody she cares. Got, she's gotten word that Crimson Dawn has Han and stole him from Boba Fett. How Boba funny Fett. would it be? How funny if she's like, I know where Han Solo is, and she's like squatting on the carbonite penis of Han Solo and shows Leia FaceTime video. Nice. Tremendous. I got your man, bitch. Maury style. <laughs> uh, also in this uh, issue, Leia reveals uh, that one of her rivals shattered, shattered the heart of the rubble, meaning that scared the shit out of her. She got all shook. Um, what's her name? Uh, Commander Alien Zara, who was trained by Tarkin himself, had devastating effect on Princess Leia after their fatal encounter that could have ended the Rebels. The latest issue of Star Wars, which is Star Wars number 14, reveals just how Zara broke the heart of the Rebels as Leia admits that the villain removed hope from her for a while. You know what happens when you don't have hope. You can't believe Zara infiltrated the ship 
when her fleet cornered the rebels a few issues back, holding Leia at knife point. So I'm going to cut you, bitch. But <laughs> <laughs> she was merely toying with the princess as she wanted Leia to suffer before she killed her. Leia's rebels took away the father that meant the world to her, uh, meaning Tarkin. So her mission is to kill Leia's movement and leave the princess to wallow in the pain of it all. Um, this threat and the fact that Zara let her live left Leia petrified. What'd you think? Okay. You know, this is again, you know, flushing out the backstory of the characters because they got really not a ton of else to do during this, uh, you know, this, this period of time. So I get it. Uh, you know, they want to try to bring some new baddies in there and try to you know see what's up with these, with these, uh, with these tropes and with these characters and, and move on from there. So, okay, whatever. No, Leia needs a rival. Or do you think it adds a layer to Leia? Or do a you lay, think a Leia to Leia? A layer to Leia. Yes, I like the layer too. But that, that, that was you... very uh, Brooklynese. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it does. I mean, I think she needs. She's one of those people who it would be nice to see her at some point vulnerable. You know, because we all we see her is this kick-ass Leia. Is that when you we, swoop in with the is. Spanish fly? In the Hells room? to the yeah, brother. <laughs> On the no. rebound, girl. Well, look, let me ask you this. She witnessed an entire planet destroyed. Everyone she knew and loved died. And then she, didn't, she didn't even flinch. Exactly. And then this thing shook her? Like, you don't think it's a little, contrad- little yeah, it's contradictory? A, it's, a little, it's a little weird. I don't know. I see what they're trying to do. I don't mind it. Maybe the execution could have been a little better. I don't know. Because of the fact that she was a witness of watching Alderaan getting destroyed and she didn't even bat an eyelash. And she still had the cojones to tell the, the rebels to go after themselves. I'm uh, Dantooine. Uh, Dantooine is a far too target. We'll destroy your planet, Alderaan. Nice. Um, you know who Sly Moore is? Yes, I do know who Sly Moore is. This is uh, Emperor Palpatine's uh, on again, off again, chicky. That's right, the side bitch with the bald head. Um, that's, that's the best way to have a side bitch with a bald head. I don't know about that. But Invader number 13, Sly Moore betrays Palpatine. Did you see this? Yes, I did see this as well. Um, you know, apparently uh, Emperor Palps over there was getting a little stupid in, in, in the side cut, and he. Uh, he he had to get his uh his ship pushed in by Sly Moore while she deactivated Darth Vader's armor or something, right? That's what it was. What happened was Sly Moore betrayed them because she gave a code to IG-88. And when IG-88 was fighting Vader, he was able to shut down Vader's armor. Um, and the reason why she decided to betray the Emperor, she felt that the Vader, that Vader and Palpatine are too dangerous and they need to be stopped. And if too those dangerous who... to be left alive. <laughs> and if those who oppose them actually band together, they would be more powerful than the Sith. Those the two the two Sith combined. So next time, ladies and gentlemen, the point is next time your side chick says, Hey, I want to go to Red Lobster, take it to Red Lobster. Red Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, baby. And, so I never thought I'd say. February 15th, side bitch Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, 
You get the chocolate half off. The flowers are almost dead, but they're right. half off. That's right. So what your wife's totally fine that you're out with the, you know, the next day golfing. Big <laughs> golfing. Getting a hole in one, that's for sure. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. Hold, my hole in three for Lucky. Nice. Uh, Amelia Clark. You know her. I know her as the mother's dragons, but we also know her as Kira. She decided to have ideas for a solo a solo spin-off series for Disney Plus. Uh, what do you think about this, Doc? About her ideas and how we're trying to book shit? Well, listen, uh, you know, Game of Thrones is over. It's been over for a while, speaking of over. And she's been a little without some, uh, you know, some doski, I'm sure. So she's living all the, off those residual checks and she wants some some more Star Wars Scottle. Because Star Wars Scottle is legit Scottle. You ain't kidding. So, but do you think I, it's. I, I'd be booking myself too and shit too. But do you find it that it's pretty cool that she's taking the initiative to try to make this happen and giving up idea, uh, coming up with ideas for the character as opposed to just coming in for a payday? Or well, do you think, or do you I, think she's doing it because she needs the money? Well, she probably doesn't need the money. I'm just, you know, joking on that one. But in reality, I, I, I like it when, when, when actors get, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They get very. Uh, tied to their characters um and they want to flesh them out and play them out um maybe her ideas are good maybe they suck who knows i don't know um most of their ideas kind of suck but uh it's it, for me that means that they want to put their heart and their soul into it and they want to do a better job of acting so which will make it better for us so she wants to uh write some stories and think about things and throw some things out there absolutely i don't i don't got a director i wish i was <laughs> a little to the left on it yep now cup the balls nice uh she dispels a fan theory about darth maul and kira as well the direct has an article um just trying to find this uh bah, 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 bah. let's see you know what screw it i'm not gonna go into this one it's too long and i don't feel like reading it um and some shit with her and Maul. Who cares? Yeah. Boba Fett. Where? Exactly. Uh, Boba Fett versus Cad Bane. Which bounty hunter is more powerful? Quick question. Improv 2, who's more over? Or do you want to save it for I think, next I think, I think next. we did this. I think we did this one already. Did we? I think so. Okay. Uh, I have to check my files. Rumor on there's a rumor afoot about the book of Boba Fett that there's going to be some characters appearing in the series. Now, uh, our friend Josh from Den and Nerds dropped a video today about it. He said that he has on good authority from two different sources that were right about a lot of other things that Luke Skywalker, Din Djarin, and Grogu are going to appear in the series. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and that also today I've read that. Grief Carger, Cobb Vanth, and Thrawn are also going to appear in this series. Oh, no. There's a few I haven't, I haven't heard there a little bit. So what Cobb, do you think? Cobb, Cobb Vanth makes sense. I think, you know, he needs to settle up some, some business with him, with, with him and Cobb Vanth, despite the fact that he got the armor back. Um, the, um, what's his name? Thrawn thing doesn't really make a ton of sense to me unless they're going to try to tie it into the Ahsoka stuff, which, again, they're going to do some, like, you know, next level extinction thing crossover a crisis thing if that's the case uh grief Karga would be interesting i wouldn't mind seeing carl weathers back again and i think he could have some interesting uh drama between he and boba fett um 
Who else did you mention there? Luke and Grogu and Din Djarin. Yeah, Din Djarin I could see, but Luke and Grogu, that's going to be an interesting story. Unless they're going to do like a very, very like quick update, you know, like they used to do on uh, Unsolved Mysteries update. Do you think it'd be any flashback scenes with Luke and him? Uh, I doubt it. I mean, how, how, how unless they want to flesh out that thing where he where he chased him at on Tatooine, yeah, and put that in a in in live action, which would be pretty cool. But I doubt they're even going to go there. Well, uh, if it is true, I'm psyched. You know, because what's better than Star Wars? More fucking Star Wars, baby. And what's better than Luke Skywalker? More fucking Boba Fett, baby. <laughs> Glad you're paying attention. I'm there, um, baby. Return of the Jedi. You like that film, correct? Of course I do. Who doesn't did like that film? Did you ever wonder how the best opening ten minutes of a twenty minutes of a Star Wars movie ever? Okay. Did you ever wonder how Jabba the Hutt knew Bausch? Was was going to try to take Han Solo or save Han Solo? You know when I you when ever I, sat back and go, I wonder how he knew. No, uh, I I kind of never thought about that when I was a kid, and I guess I maybe for a split second thought about it, but um, I guess it's because she was too short to be a bounty hunter. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, according to the movie's canon, unlike Revan, junior novelization, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. Beware the power of the dark side. Fett told Jabba that Bausch was not who he claimed. Fett knew it couldn't be the real Bausch because that bounty hunter was dead. For the events of Return of the Jedi, Leia was attacked by Bausch on Ord Mantell, where the rebel leader disarmed her attacker and, on the advice of Maz Kanata, stole his armor to help him to help in her mission to save Han. As shown in Star Wars Forces of Destiny. Yep. Shortly shortly after, Bausch was killed after he attempted to blackmail the Black Sun crime syndicate. While Leia hoped word of Bausch's death hadn't yet spread across the galaxy, it makes sense someone as infamous as Boba Fett would keep track of his competitors' actions. Therefore, before Leia reached Jabba's throne room, Fett informed the gangster that it would not be Bausch under the helmet. Jabba assumed their visitor was a smuggler in stolen armor. The revelation of Leia was merely a bonus, a cherry on top of the Sunday, if you will. The retroactively, uh, this retroactively brings a new perspective to their scene together, with both Jabba and Fett sil- silently sizing up the masked figure, already aware of a potential threat. Your thoughts uh, makes perfect sense to me. Uh, like you said, Boba is the man. You think that he would have uh, all the whole crew on text message uh, repeat over there? Be like, "Yo, you heard Bausch got got dusted today? Oh shit, I didn't hear about that." So um, that's perfectly wrapped up, perfectly summed up, and perfectly okay by me. Cool, I agree with you. Adds uh, another layer to the scene, but it makes logical, uh, perfect sense, you know? Yeah. So, and I'm okay with those. I'm okay with those that make sense. That really don't change a lot of the things. No, not at all. It just 
explain something that happens and you probably thought it happened for a set reason and this just either gives your thinking more uh, of a backing or it went the other way and you're still cool with it because it still fits the, you know, the round piece still fits in the round hole. Mm. You know what I mean? Exactly. Star Star Wars toy spoils new character in the upcoming Bad Batch episode. You see this? Yeah, I did see this. So uh, uh, it was released over the weekend, I believe, which I missed the uh, the release. I have to catch it on the, on the backswing. But it was like a four-pack Bad Batch. And not the four-pack you think it would be. It wasn't the actual Bad Batch. It was a bunch of different clone commanders and clone uh, troopers and shit like this that um, are going to be a four-pack from Amazon. They've, uh, they've done this before with other packs like the Jabba Skiff Guards. But um, the clone that they had mentioned there that we had not seen yet, it was like Clone Commander Badalak or Bad Bazaz, Battle Cat, I don't know, something like that. No, Captain Blast. There you go, Captain Blast. B-A- no, Ballast, Ballast. Now, yeah, Ballast, Ballast, whatever. There you go. Fucking uh, <laughs> ballast, uh, Bale, Ball, whatever. Moff, Moff. Exactly. Um, so uh, apparently we haven't seen this character as of yet, and they're probably going to appear. And the toy appeared before the character, which is usually an odd thing because usually toys of specific events happen like a year later, unless they've obviously been planned ahead. And these were clearly planned ahead. Unlike the uh, Baby Yoda toys, which no one knew about, so no one could uh, leak anything. Pretty much, yes. Uh, Doc, in your area of expertise as far as your career goes, have you had any protégés? People that you taken under your wing? Plenty. That- plenty. Okay. Plenty of protégés. Do you have like a favorite? Of course. Who doesn't have a favorite protégé? Okay. If you were a force ghost and you came back to talk to your protege, what would you tell tell that said protege? Am I going back in time, or am I? Do I have information about the future? Like, do I say buy Bitcoin? Uh, I don't know. Um, what would I tell them? Uh, I'd say it's kind of hot down here. Um, <laughs> uh, getting the flask. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, tremendous. Uh, the reason I bring that up is Liam Neeson uh, did an interview recently uh, with RealBlend.com. And he reveals what Qui-Gon Jinn would say to Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi if he was to come back at him as a force ghost. And he says, and I quote, keep on trucking, Obi-Wan. Keep on trucking, baby. And may the force be with you always. Um. Okay. Sure. Sure. He would say, sure. Uh, he would come back to his ex-wife and say, "Watch out for that tree." <laughs> I want half a D. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So that that was it. It was a decent segue to a bad article. Anyhow. That so, oh, this is what I want to tell you before. Ming Na Wing reacts to her Star Wars Hall of Fame nomination and on Twitter. She goes this is insanity i'm not comprehending uh this post because the list of people that made the uh, hollywood walk of fame this year was carrie fisher william defoe selma hayek michael b jordan 
Regina King, Ewan McGregor, Jason Momoa, Tessa Thompson, Ricky Gervais, Macaulay Culkin, Bob Odenkirk, Odenkirk Ken, uh, Keenan Thompson, Ken Knapsack, and Ming Nguyen. So That's an odd, odd crew right there. But it's a good, talented crew. Oh, it is. But again, Jason Momoa, the same year as Carrie Fisher. Uh, okay. Michael B. Jordan. Okay. Huh? I see what you're saying. <sighs> and I agree. I agree. Um, she also did an interview recently where she had an idea of <clears throat> what she wanted Fennec Shand to become. And that she was telling everybody she was not supposed to die in that one episode and never come back. Yeah. Did you read the article? I did. Uh, she's supposed to, you know, get shot in the belly and then never, never to return, which is odd because then they had, you know, had Boba show up to save her. What was the reason why if they really wanted to pull her out? So was that done well after she had filmed um, and they just added that in post? I don't know, uh, but uh, I'm glad they brought her back. You know, it's good to see her, especially in things like, you know, the a, a prequel of her in the, the Bad Batch and. We know she's going to play a prominent role in the Book of Boba Fett. You know, she stated that she didn't know Dave Filoni at the time. Uh, and then they connected on so many levels because they both have a passion and a love you know for what Star Wars. Someone played hide the salami. Or the egg roll. Um, <laughs> she goes... And, she goes, I don't know Dave Filoni before then. And we connect on so many levels because both of us are such big Star Wars fans. And then we discovered that we both grew up in the same neighborhood and we went to the same high school. So I think it was just a combination of it all. And maybe me being really persistent, Shane telling him that she didn't die. So, you know, she booked her own. She booked herself into uh, into a shoot. You know what I'm saying? And, and it worked good. out for her. It's all good. Good job. Girl. No, definitely great. Congratulations. Um, an article dropped, and it was very interesting by CBR.com, where they said the Clone Wars Phantom Apprentice episode is Empire Strikes Back Twisted Mirror. So they're comparing an episode from season seven, the Phantom. Um, Apprentice, and it says that it is exactly identical uh, and it resembles many aspects to Empire Strikes Back. You had a chance to read this. Uh, yeah, there was you know some scenes that echoed the the tunnel chamber of Tick. The, tick of the um <laughs> the carbon you freezing chamber. How many times how many times <laughs> I you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Tick. It's tick. Cool. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so it echoed the uh, echoed the um <laughs> the uh, the scene where uh, they're running through the tunnels. Um, had a similar lighting to the carbon freezing chamber, and there was some other like little tidbits here and there that, if you're paying close attention, you could see the uh, the, the the resemblance. Feel free to go over them because uh, it's a long article. Do you want me to go down everything? Not really. Okay. Uh, go <laughs> check it out, folks. Uh, very interesting article. Very well written. They basically said that the storyline follows them, follows it very similar to Empire Strikes Back. And the points they make and all the bullet points they hit, they're spot on. And it makes me went and went, are 
Holy shit! I, you're right. I would have missed that completely. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Because we got. I thought. I think you and I got so enthralled in the moment of watching such great Star Wars come to life with characters that we are emotionally attached with and a storyline that was actually very well done that it could have been the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we wouldn't have cared. We wouldn't even picked up on it. We were just so lost in the moment. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so why Bad Batch brought back Cad Bane and remade his Boba Fett duel? Now, last week I touched base on this saying that they brought it back because they're going to actually do the duel but they need to show how strong and how quick he is in order to put himself over this way. When Boba goes over, he gets to shine in the rub from that. Speaking but of Brad, speaking of over, and Brad Rao, producer, one of the, he says, one thing we did, and we were so excited to bring Cad Bane back. Once we knew we were doing that, we went back on the production side to design things that were created for the episode <laughs> you're referencing, but we never realized uh, so we had an opportunity to go back into the designs and refine them a little bit. There was a spiritual feeling of what that was going to be just by the look and feel of how this his hat looks, how his outfit looks, but it's all been changed just a little bit. The episodic director that worked on that is awesome. He had such a he was such a great director and worked on Clone Wars and Dave Filoni for a long time. So when he was directing that episode, he wanted to shoot that scene himself. I'm like, all right, Stu, come on, buddy. Let's do it. You got to do it. And he went he went in and intentionally vibed off that footage that exists of Boba Fett versus Cad Bane. So it's more of us as fans behind the scenes waiting to pay homage to that. That was never finished more than anything else. Do you buy it? As an homage, do you buy it as what we what I was telling you? Uh, well, I guess we're gonna find out. Um, I think, but if I had, if you had pinned me down and asked me, I, I would say that it's gonna be the homage, and we're probably not gonna see it. But I see your point. Jennifer Corbert, she did an interview with Star Wars. It's on StarWars.com. How do you challenge a super soldier? Helping the clones in a Star Wars, the Bad Batch find their way. You throw them in a block of ice and freeze them for seventy years. There we go. You're right. Then you give him a shield. And uh, and she, you know, she's actually a pretty woman. So I saw the picture of her. on. Yeah. So she's one of the head writers of the, the series. And she, she did this uh, interesting uh, interview on StarWars.com. Hunters and his brothers in his clone Force 99 has been transformed into their first half of season one. Um She goes, the interesting challenge was, how do you challenge a super soldier? Series head writer and executive producer, Jennifer Corbert. Um, what can you throw at them that's something that they're not equipped to deal with? That's how the idea of Omega came to be. Soldiers can figure things out. But what they've never had to deal with is a young kid. And that completely changes how they relate to one another and changes the perspective of the galaxy. You drop them into a separatist battlefront. And they're going to be fine no matter what. But having to be guardians and responsible for an upbringing and um, and rearing of a child is something totally different. Now, in instead of deadly skirmishes, the elite clone troopers have to figure out how to meet basic needs to survive in a galaxy that is becoming more regimented by the day. And we quickly learned that the Empire wasn't their only problem with bounty hunters on their tail and the, and the ticking time bomb inhibitor chips in their heads. 
just to name a few. So then she goes into full detail per character, this, that, and the other. Very interesting article. I suggest all you people go read it, starwars.com. Uh, did you like the article, Doc? Yeah, no, I thought it was pretty cool, and, and it makes perfect sense. Um, by them, by them, and we knew this from the very beginning, by by her, the writers throwing Omega into the mix really is going to disrupt the team chemistry that they have. It's not going to be the well-oiled machine that we've seen in those foods that in that first arc in season seven. It's going to be more chaos and more concern, and it's going to put them in a vulnerable state, which is probably what the team is not used to. So it's it's a good idea. Um, would I have liked to seen it maybe in season two? Sure, but who knows if we're getting a season two? Uh, but I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get there eventually. So it's like three men and a baby. Exactly. Exactly. Gimmick infringement. Nice. Speaking of gimmick infringement, you just made the list. You just made the list. That's right, folks. It's that time of the show where we deep dive, balls deep, into lists that are in the inter- interwebs about Star Wars. We give our, our opinions of said list, whether they're great or they're horseshit. And we give our little point of views from an analytical sense. Uh, who goes first, Doc? You want me to go first? Uh, sure. Shoot. Good, because I wanted to pick this one before you picked it. <clears throat> uh, the 10 oh no hell no you could do that one Mandalorian 8 episodes that provided massive payoffs let's see so Mandalorian number 8 chapter 3 the sin after delivering Grogu to the client in chapter th- sin Mando returns to the razor crest and the absence of the gear shift knob the kid was playing with prompts him to go back. Deborah's Chow's visual storytelling is impeccable with one of the simplistic motif. Chow tells the audience exactly how Mando feels without having to remove his helmet. Uh, do you agree with this? Yes, it was pretty cool. Chapter 7, The Reckoning. Mando's first act of heroism is in the... In the pilot episode of The Mandalorian, he's destroying the IG-11 to save the child's life. In the uh, episode, uh, in the penul- penul- I can't even say that word. Chapter penultimate. Reckon- penultimate. Yeah, I just never heard that word before. The Reckoning IG-88 is redeemed as a reprogrammed nanny droid. But that's not the episode's biggest payoff. That would be the introduction of John Carlo Esposito's Moff Gideon as a show's main villain. In a shocking cliffhanger ending, Quill is killed by a pair of scout troopers who managed to capture Grogu, setting up an explosive final episode of season one. What do you think? One of my favorites. Okay. Chapter eight, The Redemption. Season finale of chapter one, uh, season one. You agree? Uh, big payoff? Yes, big payoff. Chapter nine, The Marshal. Uh, well, we got to see where Boba Fett's armor went, and we knew what was coming after that. So I think the payoff was uh, pretty dope there. Chapter 12, The Siege. Biggest payoffs were still a while away in Season two's fourth installment, Chapter 12, The Siege. But this episode did confirm that the Imperial Remnants want to capture Grogu so they can extract his blood and clone him, which played into the back end of the season. Plus, it revealed... It revealed to Mando that Moff Gideon is still alive throughout the first half of the season. He had no idea the big bad was out there looking for him. And we saw Snoke in the... In the yep, yeah, and then that definitely paid us off later on. Chapter 13, The Jedi. 
Uh, well, it's hard to get a better payoff than Ahsoka, but we'll get there. Chapter two, the tragedy. Um, that's when he that's the gave Boba the Fett episode. Yeah, oh yes, of chapter chapter no chapter that wasn't chapter two. That was uh, I'm chapter, sorry, chapter fourteen. There you go. My bad. No, this is oh. number two. I mean, come on, that's one of the and one of my what favorite Star Wars moments. Is? Uh, chapter one, one is when he met the the chick who was in the uh, in in the uh, in the hangar. You really think number one, the the first episode on the, the number one episode of with the biggest payoff is that episode? Of course not. Oh, were well, you going back to the list last week? <laughs> nice. It's the Luke Skywalker baby. Come that's on. right, the rescue baby. Anyway, so that's right. it. Good list. Top 10 sequel trilogy characters introduced after The Force Awakens. All right, here we go. Sorry. That's not too moron. <clears throat> Number 10, Boomon Kin, who gives a fuck about Dominic Moynihan, who said, maybe it's Sith Alchemy. Shut up. Hey, moving on. The Porgs. Really? Okay. Let's move on here. Vice Admiral Hall at number 8. Next. next. Number 7. <laughs> Dio's another next because another failed character that Disney put out. Thank you very much. Now, RHD2. 6. Janna, again. Waste of space, waste of a great character. Number five, Paige Tico. Because if Rose Tico wasn't enough, here's her sister, Paige Tico. She was hot. Uh, how about how about her cousin, uh, Paco Tico, who makes me tacos when I... <laughs> number four, speaking of Tico's, Rose Tico. Spiro's favorite character. Yep, number three, Allegiant General Enric Pride, who did pretty much nothing. Okay, which is great. And then number two, Babu Frick. All right, we're getting a little better over here. And number one, Zori Bliss, who was another waste of space. So they just gave us 10 characters. They should have been, this, this list should have been called uh, 10 characters that wasted my motherfucking time in the Star Wars universe. Speaking about motherfuckers, Mace Windu and eight other Star Wars characters who should have appeared more in the prequel trilogy. I like that segue, huh? Yeah, I like it. Look at the big brains on, on, on Django, huh? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Mace Windu. He's one. Boss Nas. Sebulba. Kid Fisto. Who's getting fisted? Shock T. She had like 30, 30, she had like 30 deaths. What do you care? Django Fett. Sam Wessel. Okay, I'll buy that one. Watto. <laughs> I love you, so Watto. <laughs> yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn. That's I think Qui Gon's. I think Qui Gon's time was perfect. Actually, I think it yeah, was. Uh, you know, I agree. He didn't I need totally any more. It was a. It was a good heart wrenching moment for us because we didn't think that was going to happen, and it you know took away our our Obi Wan character during that. You know, the the the, the flip side of him would be Obi Wan in the first movie in a, a New Hope. So I think it was that uh, he was perfectly fine where he was at. We didn't need to see Force Ghost. We need none of that stuff. I think we were good. Uh, the other characters, some of them were good. Like I think Watto needed some more screen time. I think Zam Wessel for sure needed some more screen time, and Django too. But uh, again, lot, typical George slamming in as many characters as possible into uh, th- three movies. Sell those toys, baby. You have to. That's that's the fucking point. That's why you make porgs. All right. Well, do you want to go from a certain point of view? You want to wrap it up? Uh, unless you got a topic, because I don't have a topic. Okay, uh, I was thinking about this the other day from a certain point of view. The okay, many people feel that Luke Skywalker, oh, nice, 
Luke Skywalker should have not gone to Bespin because he got his hand cut off and he wasn't ready. Mm. And he failed against his father, Darth Vader. Mm. Right? Which caused everybody to lose. The movie ended in a negative ending with the bad guys winning. I disagree. Meaning that if he never went to Bespin, he never faced his father, never found out it was his dad, and never got his hand cut off, he would have joined the dark side. Me, why? Because if he never found out it was his dad, he would never have been compelled to try to turn him to the light. He wouldn't have been so optimistic. And if he never got his hand cut off, at the end of Return of the Jedi, when he whipped his dad's ass and he chopped off his dad's hand, he wouldn't have had that moment where he looks down at his dad's hand and realized, shit, I'm turning into him because he has a hand just like mine, mm. and that's what the emperor wants. And then he wouldn't have had enough um, power mentally to be uh, use his free will and tell the emperor to go fuck himself. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that's um. So you're saying that the, that the first part had to happen for the second part to happen the the, the right way. You know, like, but but, like, but people but people are saying that the first part happened because. He was inexperienced and he shouldn't have went. Like people were saying he shouldn't have went to Bespin. But if he didn't go to Bespin, <clears throat> he may have been easier to turn. Uh it's quite possible. I mean, we, we know that power is corrupting and and that um if he felt standing there, if he had the same scene of return to Jedi without knowing what had happened and without having that um, you know, that that Bespin scene, Luke may have turned much easier to the dark side at that point since he like you said never had it within him that he wanted to save his father and bring him back to the light to the jedi that he was uh it's an interesting concept and for sure you could argue you know from a certain point of view that if he did not go um things would have turned out quite differently um it's, well, let's see. Let's look at if he didn't go, what would happen? He would have completed his training. He would have been a stronger Jedi. Yeah. So when he fa- when he faced Vader, right? Maybe Vader wouldn't have kicked his ass so bad. Wouldn't have toyed with him. Mm-hmm. And let's say he decided to defeat Vader like he did in Jedi, but even a little bit more aggressive because he was more in tune and he listened to Yoda and Obi Wan, mm-hmm. and he struck Vader down and killed him, not knowing it's his dad. Then what would happen? He would he gave would be, it to his anger. Yep. And then and he would aggression. have been all lined up. Good, good, Luke Skywalker. Now, so that, now that means Yoda and Obi-Wan didn't know what they were talking about because Luke made soup salad out of chicken shit. True. Or, or maybe they let him go because they knew what was going to happen. They well, the knew future, he wasn't ready, and they the, knew he was going to reveal himself, and they knew that he would have been defeated but not dead, and then had a hard on for bringing his dad back. Oh, might be, might be true. That's a, that's that's a, that's a point. I mean, the future is always constantly moving. Unclear it is. Mm-hmm. Like my penis. All right. Um, interesting certain point of view. I think that's uh We definitely wouldn't have had this segment because there'd be no. There wouldn't be a. Uh, Obi-Wan Force goes sitting on the log telling him 
from what I told you is true from a certain point of view. Because he would never would have known his dad was uh, Vader. Yep, indeed. Um, I like it. I think it's a it's a good concept and it's a good good piece that you know if A didn't happen, B wouldn't have happened. Um, and it makes sense, you know. It, it gave it gave Luke a purpose when it when you know when it all came down to it. And once you have that fire, and it's something that you you know, especially when it comes to family, then he's going to be unstoppable and he's not going to waver from his mission. And he may have if he didn't know that ahead of time. It's quite possible. So what this means, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, is that sometimes when you lose, you, you actually win. win. Exactly. And sometimes when you win, you actually lose. Spiro, what's your take on this matter? So, would have would if Luke didn't go to Bespin, would he have turned over to the dark side? You know what I? You know what the thing about a dark side Luke is to me, man. It's like Michael Keaton's Batman, and uh, and I'm gonna catch heat for this, but fuck you, I never bought Michael Keaton as fucking Batman. Um, he looked great in the costume, you know. But I just never bought him as that guy, man. I mean, you know, listen, man, and this is not to say that I don't like Michael Keaton as that dark sort of character, you know, man. I think he, you know, but anyways, this isn't about Michael Keaton. This isn't about Batman or DC. This is about Star Wars, motherfucker. Um, you know, the, the thing about Luke is, man, he, he, you know, sure, you know, I I don't think he, he would have fucking turned whether he went to Bespin or not. He I you know I think that he made a promise to Obi Wan. He made a promise to himself. He you know he was since he was a kid he was pretty much you know I think he was whether he knew it or not he he was not gonna be like his father. You know, I think that, you know, the prophecy that was foretold, he was the fucking chosen one. Although, you know, people want to say that Anakin is the real chosen one. Some other people want to say that Leia was the fucking chosen one. Some people want to say Rey, who's not even a fucking Skywalker. Um, you know, whatever, you know, the fucking DNA said on, on Mori, Rey is not a Skywalker. Anyways, um... I don't think he would have turned to the dark side. I think, um, you know, the the universe, the force would not allow it. I think that that was his destiny. His destiny was to be the Luke Skywalker that we all know and love. The Luke Skywalker that made of, you know, tap danced around the fucking dark side, but never fully embraced it like his father. You know, his, his destiny was to bring Anakin back back from the darkness into the light and you know the the events played out the way they did because you know i don't believe in destiny but you know in in star wars you know the rules are different obviously and you know that's what was laid out for him um however he got from point a to point b and c and so on is is another story but at the end of the day it was going to end the way it fucking ended. I feel like this motherfucker had to lose his hand, man. I feel that he needed this. Um, he needed the tough love from his father. I, I feel like he, he needed this in order to become stronger, to become smarter, to, to go into his battle with Vader and the Emperor 
with his eyes wide open. You know, you know. Let, let's be honest, man. Luke went into all of this. He went into his Jedi training at a very late age. He went into it not only, you know, older than most Jedi do, but naive as fuck. You know, he still had that ignorant, hick, farm boy men, um, mentality, um, you know. So this had to happen, and the motherfucker was lucky to live through it, but the fact that he lived through it, you know, he was able to to apply that to complete his Jedi training and apply the lessons learned from that. Because, come on, man, I don't give a fuck who you are, chosen one or not. You're not just going to go up against the Emperor and fucking, you know, live to tell about it. Anakin, you know, in all, you know, for all intents and purposes, died, okay, because he became Vader, all right? Um, he got his ass whooped by Obi-Wan, and if he'd have went up against the Emperor, he would have fucking died. So I feel that this had to happen to Luke so that he wouldn't go into this the way his, his father did against Obi-Wan, because if he'd have gone into it full retard... Never go full retard. You don't buy that? Yeah, Sean Penn, 2001, I am saying... Remember? Went full retard. Went home empty-handed. The Emperor would have fucking killed him. He would have fucking just obliterated him, okay? So, I hope this makes sense. But yeah, man, those are my thoughts. Hmm. Dark side perspective. Very intriguing. Very interesting. Well done, Spiro. All right, Doc, anything you want to add? That's it, man. Let's bring it home. I got work tomorrow. All right, buddy. Let's blow this fucking popsicle stand. Let's go home. Let them know where they can find you at. You can find me at Dr. D-R underscore Destroyo, D-E-S-T-R-R-O-Y-O, Instagram, Alex Arroyo, M-D on the Twitter, and Alex Arroyo on the Face Bizzle. Dark Sith Lord, Dark Darth Great, let them know where you're great at. Let them know how they can find you and how great it is. Yeah, man, it's been great, but you can also find me every Friday on the on the Rational Rage podcast on the Rational Rage Network. The show's gone through a bit of an evolution. It's no more, it's no longer a anger-filled rant fest about politics because that shit just does no good to anybody's soul. It just divides us all. So now it's just a show where people come on, they hang out, we have a few drinks, and we talk about anything, you know? Uh, on Instagram, Spiro underscore A, Darth underscore Spiridon, and... That's it, guys. That was great, Spiro. Thank you. It's really uh, great. <laughs> it's so great. He gives great, great. Um, you can find me at Greek Out Papadon on Twitter and Instagram, Demetrius Papadon on Facebook. Greek Out Papadon is the YouTube channel. Subscribe, comment, hit the notification bell, like. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees slash Greek Out Papadon. Go buy your Greek Out Papadon t shirts. Support the cause. Um, you can find us together. At NFO underscore podcast on Twitter, New Force Order on Instagram, official New Force Order on Facebook, New Force Order at Yahoo.com is the email. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time and your ears. We appreciate that you stuck with us uh, over the course of this show and over the course of the last 118 episodes. Um, hopefully, we have enlightened you, we smartened you up, but most importantly, we've entertained you because 
our job here at the New Force Order is to get Star Wars more over with you and not to get ourselves over on the expense of Star Wars. So this has been another exciting edition of the New Force Order. For And that's just too sweet. Henceforth, you shall be known as the new Force Order.